Amen. Praise the Lord. We can all be seated in the house. I want you to take your Bibles and go to the book of First Peter, chapter 3. And as you turn there, I, I just want to make sure that I acknowledge the fact that this morning, every single one of us who were able to come, who were able to, aren't you glad to be here this morning? <clears throat> and for those of you who were able to come, let me just say that what God gave us is he gave us a very good balance on scriptural understanding when it comes to the character of worship by Brother George and when it comes to not just the now, but also what is next, what God has for us next. So I just want to say that I am so glad that we are a part of a body of committed believers who are desirous for what God is about to do next. So can we take a moment and give God the praise? Come on, give him the glory. Come on, I need you to worship. Come on, somebody say, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Because how many here would agree with me, and for those of you that are watching online, is that whatever we do, we don't do it for the audience of many, we do it for the audience of one. And whatever happens, whatever comes out of it, which we know will be glorious, it's to God be the glory. To God be the glory. Today I want to talk to you on the subject of the nature and the purpose of apologetics. And I feel that apologetics has been greatly misunderstood by many. Now, this topic alone can serve as an entire semester. So while I don't want to overload you with information, allow me, please, these next few moments to just give you a basic but yet profound understanding on what apologetics is really all about. So let's start with 1 Peter chapter 3, and let's read beginning with verse 13. If you got it, say, I got it, Pastor. <clears throat> the Bible says, now, who is there to harm you? You, if you are zealous for what is good, verse 14, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Now here, Peter is writing a very important letter as he's encouraging believers. And please allow the Holy Spirit through this letter to encourage you today. Because you and I will suffer persecution. Y'all with me? In fact, may I say this? We have been on the comfortable side of persecution for far too long. But as we suffer through, God will bless you. Now look at verse 15, or rather 14. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be what? Blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. Now look at verse 15. But in your hearts, 
Honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared. Look at somebody and tell them, always being what? Prepared. To make a defense to anyone who will ask you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness, do it with respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered or come against for your faith, for that matter, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Help me pray. Father, in your name, Jesus, <clears throat> Lord, I'm praying, Father, and I'm asking that you will use me here, Father, today to just bring a teaching that will help illuminate, enlighten our minds, and encourage our hearts. And Father, we thank you. And in your precious name, Jesus, we pray, and all of God's people say together, amen. amen. Now, for those of you that are watching online, I want you to take notes. For those of you that are in person, are you ready? Have you got your pens, your papers, if you're old school, or if you got your iPads or your iPhone? The topic, the topic, apologetics, within the context of biblical theology, can sound somewhat intimidating. When you hear people talk about apologetics, in fact, when I first came across the word, Pastor Danny, I thought they were talking about being apologetic. Hey, I'm very sorry. I didn't mean to do that to you. I apologize. I apologize. I'm, I guess I'm, I need another lesson on being more apologetic. But when you begin to look at the word apologetic, the word apologetic has two meanings. It's known to us as regret, sorrow, and recognizing your failure or whatever you may have committed that caused you and evoked an apology. But then there is the Greek meaning, which comes from the word apologia. And the word apologia simply means a defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Apologia means defending. It means a systematic biblical discourse in explaining the Bible. It's a branch of theology devoted to the defense of the divine origin of the authority of the faith that all of us who are watching online and that are in person are living by. We defend it. We explain it. Now, please understand <clears throat> that apologetics, as intimidating it may sound to many people, I need you to know that every single person that is in this room has been called to live a life in a manner where you have the responsibility and the opportunity to explain profoundly the hope that is in you. How many saved people by the blood of Jesus Christ do we have here today? How many marriages that have been changed by the power of God? How many miracle and testimonies you and I can begin to share with other people about the amazing things that God is doing? Now, while you and I can be great preachers and orators of testimony, 
Sometimes a testimony doesn't cut it when it comes to a lost generation that wants to know and to understand who your God is. Why are you changed? What exactly do you belong to? What does this all really mean? What does it mean to believe in miracles? What does it mean to live by faith? What does it mean to share your faith? And folks, I'm here to encourage you that every single one of you have the opportunity to be able to do just that. The word apologetics has to be understood in this manner. Write this down. Your opportunity to preach the gospel. In fact, for those who are watching online, I want you to type it in the comments and say it with me. This is my opportunity. Come on, y'all awake? I know we had donuts and coffee. Amen? Come on now. I want you to repeat after me. Say, this is my opportunity to preach the gospel. But in order to understand how we can do that in the form of apologetics, is let me teach you this morning what apologetics is not, what apologetics is, and how we can benefit from apologetics. So y'all ready? First thing, what apologetics is not. Apologetics is not a separate entity or a department. Sometimes churches treat apologetics like it's a whole entity by itself. Uh, that's for the Bible scholars. That's, that's for the pastor and the teachers. Uh, that's for my uncle who went to Bible college. Uh, that's for my son who's a theologian and this is what he's going for. In fact, how many have ever found yourself saying, you know, you're having a conversation with someone. It's getting a little uh, heated because you're debating. You're arguing back and forth and you don't know scripture and you're like, you know what? I'm going to call my cousin. He knows the Bible and he's going to put you in your place. In fact, there's a, a family member who's been like a brother to my wife for years. His name is Carlos and he gets into debates with all kinds of cultic leaders when he used to be a truck driver and he would talk to me on the phone and say, man, brother-in-law, one day I'm going to go ahead and call you up so you can go ahead and put them in their place. Sometimes we think that that's what apologetics is. It's to be as knowledgeable as I can be so I can show them up. Preach the Bible to them. Use scriptures like a sword. You know what I mean? Walk away and have people thinking, man, that guy, that girl knows his word. He told him. She told him. No. It's not a separate, it's not the, where the church has to have the debate department. And the pastor's looking for a couple of good Bible scholars. So whenever there's a, there's a, there's a Bible debate going on, hey, so-and-so, come on over here. All right, it's time to go ahead, fight and tell these people about Jesus. That's not apologetics. It's not a debate event. It's not a public discourse where there's a skeptic against a believer in some kind of public arena. You know how you have the presidential debates and you got one guy that loses and says, man, will you just shut up? <clears throat> because they're getting on each other's nerves. It's not about winning arguments. 
It's not just about having the right amount of biblical content. Sometimes many of you think, man, if I just knew enough scripture, if I just memorized enough Bible, then I can go ahead and I can go out to the streets and I can witness to people and I can talk to them about Jesus so that when I have that that occult leader walking down the street, or when I have the enemy, you know, we call every other religion an enemy. When the enemy come down the street, I'm so prepared. I got my guns ready and loaded, and I'm going to shoot him from 1 John chapter 3, and then I'll go over to the book of Nehemiah, and then I'll go over to the prophetic books, uh, and then I'll take them all the way down to the book. Oh, he ain't going to know Revelation like I know Revelation, and I'll take them down to Revelation, and then we're going to see Who's on? Who's got it going on? That's not apologetics. Unfortunately, many have made it out to be that way. And for those who feel they don't know enough, they shy away from it. Come on, let's be honest here. Let's be honest. How many of us have found ourselves saying, oh, not me. I don't want to talk about no Bible because, I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I, 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 I go blank. I don't know what to say. And nothing comes out of my mouth and whatever. So, no, I don't, I don't want to witness. I don't want to share the gospel. I don't want to come across someone who, who's a lot more intelligent than I am. And guess what we do? We say absolutely Nothing. Nothing. What we do is we do talk about great church experiences and how great our pastor is and he preaches the word. Uh, and we've got a great song service and, and there are great ministry programs and, and man, you just ought to come to our church. But why do I need to come to your church? I don't know. You just need to come to our church. And we are great proclaimers of ministry. We talked about it, right? Ministry experiences, ministry programs, pastors, churches. But we're so far from understanding our responsibility in preaching and teaching and witnessing from God's word. Not just from personal experience, not just from ministry experience, but from the very word of God. Now, in understanding what apologetics is not, sometimes when you're trying to understand biblical content, because it's strange to you, or because you feel that you don't know enough, not only do you shy away from it, but you never even attempt to know more about it. Listen, I get it, folks. There was a time in my life where I'd been a pastor for already maybe 10 years, and I'm around other pastors, and then we get into these conversations, and I start hearing stuff come out of their mouth, and I'm like, oh, my God, I hope they don't ask me that question. <laughs> Let me know what I'm talking about. We're just talking, and then, uh, and then they're talking about the schools they went to. And it's like, it's a big name followed by theological seminary. And what about you, Pastor Edwin? What school did you go to? Yeah, and then um, it's like this institute that I went to and, you know, in-house and, you know, they taught me, you know, like discipleship, you know. Um, and yeah, that's, I feel like God said, Edwin, 
stop being a liar and just be inspired. Are you with me? Instead of us trying to play the part, then allow God to touch your heart. And God revealed to me, Edwin, enough is enough. Yeah, you don't know, but it doesn't have to stay that way. There are steps that you can take. So I decided, this is me, and in no way is it a pitch to move anyone to do whatever it is, but there are several ways how you can get involved into good biblical doctrinal teachings to help you sharpen your knowledge and your understanding of the hope that is within you. If we have hope in Christ, is your hope truly in Christ? If your hope is truly in Christ and your marriage has been delivered by the power of Jesus Christ, how many more other marriages in your neighborhood, how many more other people in your neighborhood need to know who Jesus Christ truly is? Come on, somebody say it's in the Word. <clears throat> Let's go back here to, to, to the verse. Look at verse 15. But in your hearts, honor Christ. There are two ways that I want you to write this down. You are to honor him not only as holy, but look at what the word says, but also always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who will ask. Folks, can I be honest? Can we tell it like it is? Too, <coughs> excuse me. Too often, we find ourselves only promoting God as just a holy God. He's holy. Yes, he is. And because we want to promote him as holy, we then find ourselves being guilty of casting judgment. You're not holy. Why, Why am I not holy? Because you're a sinner. You're a sinner. You're not holy. God's holy, and I'm holy because I used to be a sinner, and I'm no longer a sinner. And I believe that we've honored God throughout our years of talking to people of how sinful people are and how holy God is, but not really ever being prepared to say, but here's why I was sinful, and here's why God is holy, and here's how God can deliver you from your sin and its origin, and how you can serve a holy, reverend, powerful God. Because while you tried to just honor God by saying he's holy and you're sinful, we may have just blown people out of the water, never giving them an opportunity to have a sincere conversation with us where you and I can rightly divide the word of God and begin to apologetically defend, not only present the hope that is in us, but present and defend why Christ died for them. So look at it again. Look at verse 15. But in your hearts, honor Christ as the Lord holy, but also honor him being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks of a reason for the hope that is in you. Now let me tell you what apologetics is. Apologetics, as the Bible says, is about being ready to give a defense of the hope that's within. It's about being ready to defend the faith. Now we see in our text, that the Apostle Peter is writing to a group of believers who are experiencing persecution or at least about to experience in such a manner that requires them to endure unto the end. 
He tells them to be ready. Folks, we're living in a day and age and in a time, and for those of you that are watching online, if there's ever been an era, a decade, a time or a season for us to be ready to talk about him, to represent him, to preach him, it's now. It's now. Now is the time. You have social media, now is the time. You have friends, now is the time. It's about turning people to Jesus, which is ultimately what we want to do in engaging in apologetics so that we can make disciples. It's about being an ambassador of Christ in representing him to other people. And that is why it is not so much about how much Bible scripture you have, but it's more so about what you have to say about the scriptures that we're constantly reading, that we're constantly teaching, that we're constantly talking about. When it comes to the Bible, what you need to understand, folks, that the very scriptures that we read before us are scriptures that you may have understood because it took you years to understand it. And we praise God for pastors who are not lazy and they take the time to begin to hermeneutically understand the word of God. But understand, when it comes to the Bible, it's beyond just the scriptures. We're talking about the genre. We're talking about the historical context. We're talking about the hermeneutics that are wrapped in behind it. We're talking about not what's happened in our town, but what's happened in their town, in their era, in their century. And how then can we begin to connect with that so that we can bring their town over into our town today and make it life applicable to people today? And when people, when people have successfully understood the genre, the historical context, and the hermeneutics of the Bible, then you and I can bring God's word alive into today's day and age. The very same Jesus who carried the cross is the same Jesus that's being presented within us, through us, in our cross-bearing days today. But you see, people don't know that. They won't know that unless you take the time to explain that to them. Y'all with me so far? All right, write this word down. Okay, write this word down. Okay. Explanation. Some of you are thinking, oh wow, I thought he was going to give us like a big word. Amen. Okay, write that first word down. Explanation. Write this next word next to it. Analysis. Analysis. Okay? Write this next work down. Investigation. Investigation. And then write this last word down for those of you that are watching online. Presentation. That is what hermeneutics is all about. When we talk about hermeneutical teaching, don't just look at your pastor and say, all right, pastor, you're you going to show me that, right? Well, he's going he's to lead you there, but he's going to lead you and teach you on how to explain it, 
analyze it, investigate it, before you present it. Amen? Explain it, analyze it, investigate it before you go on presenting it. That's a responsibility that we have as a people, as a church, as an ambassador of Christ and representing who he is to those that are still lost. And then lastly, I want you to write this down, is how can we benefit from apologetics? Well, let me, let me explain something about apologetics. You don't have to wait until there's an arena set. You don't have to wait until, you know, it's, it's someone who you think, okay, this is where I'm going to go ahead and exercise my brand new apologetic gun. No, apologetics can take place usually in our everyday life, in our everyday circumstances, whether you're at home with your kids with your spouse, whether it's at church, whether it's at school, whether you're at your workplace, wherever you may find yourself, all kinds of places that we find ourselves, we can engage in apologetics because it is, it is a discussion. It is a conversation. Apologetics is not just meant, I want you to write this down, apologetics is not just for unbelievers. In other words, it's not just you saying, okay, now I'm ready. So when I find an unbeliever, or like I said earlier, or an enemy of the gospel. But apologetics is also to be used on the believer. And why is that? Because every day of your lives, you are faced with an insurmountable amount of lies and deception in this world. That every now and then, it does its number on your mind, and it gets you to start doubting who God is. And when we doubt, that's when you and I need to know and understand, well, who is God according to Scripture, according to your apologetic way of understanding? It's a benefit in where it helps remove a lot of our doubts. It bolsters your faith, and it bolsters the faith of others. And folks, can I encourage you this on this? Your pastor is a wise man, okay? Please, don't ever tell your pastor, pastor, can you do me a favor? Can you dumb that down for me just a little bit so I can understand it? Stop that. Stop that, because you're limiting yourself. And your pastor should never sit there and look at his word and say, okay, how can I make this like, and please, no offense, are y'all with me so far? Can we tell it like it is? Your pastor shouldn't find him and say, how can, I, how can I prepare this study and this sermon and make it as simple as a kindergarten can understand this? You know, make it as simple as a fifth grader can understand it. No, don't limit your pastor, okay? Stop putting limits on him because you're putting limits on yourself. What you want to do is you want to get out of that comfort zone. You want to get out of lazy mode. Come on, look at somebody and tell them, get out of lazy mode. Yeah, it might take a little work. It might take a little investment. But you'd be surprised on the profound impact that it has on your life when you begin to get to know Jesus beyond the regular slogans that most of us have lived throughout the rest of our lives. 
When we talk about praising the Lord, when we talk about going through trials, when we talk about hanging in there, when we talk about enduring unto the end. And I know these are slogans that are scripturally based, but you'd be surprised how many people's faith is built more on what man says because all of a sudden when that man is gone, so are the people. And apologetics challenges, encourages, it directs, and it gives us the right aim that you and I need when it comes to preaching the gospel. In fact, turn with me with you now to the book of Jude, chapter 3. Jude, chapter 3. Listen to what the Bible says here. It says, Beloved, Although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. All right, let me read it one more time. Sometimes we read it once, and that's why when it comes to Bible study, read it once, read it twice, Read it ten times and begin to investigate. Now let's look at the word again. Beloved, I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation. Now let's look at that word, common. Are you ready? You know what that word common means? It means common. (laughs) Y'all with me? Amen. (laughs) But in other words... Hey, instead of you just settling for the fact that I'm saved, and it just becomes common knowledge, and it just becomes common, I'm going to church, singing songs, and I'm going home. I'm saved, going home, and then what happens is you move over into self-preservation mode, and you just make sure you're okay, you're faithful, paying your tithes, doing what you have to do. Here Jude says he says, and we go on to the other, other part, I found it necessary. Come on, look at somebody and tell them it's necessary. It's necessary to write appealing. There's an appeal that he's making to you to contend, contend for the faith that was once delivered all. It says for all delivered to the saints. That means everybody, not just a group of people, not just us. And folks, the only way that you and I can get God's word to the entire world is to understand that it's not common. In fact, you and I are not common people. We are still strangers, pilgrims that are still passing through, and all eyes are on us. And this world that looks at you, very curious, are a people that we need to contend with. Now I'll leave it here. I got saved in 1987. And as soon as I got saved, man, God changed me. God did a work in me. Within maybe, I would say, seven to eight months, I got a job in downtown Chicago. I was only 17 years old. And me and and another friend of mine who, who was named Bob Colin, who was in the church at the time, we both worked at the same place. We were excited. There was such a zeal within us that whenever we took the train, we said, you know what? We got to make the most out of this train ride. So we would take a stack of flyers, and we have our Bible in our hand. 
And I remember we walk into the first cart and we would take turns. Okay, Bob, you go ahead and you preach and I'll go ahead and pass out flyers. And then you know what? I'll go ahead and I'll preach. And then, I'll, you know, you go ahead and, 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 you know, pass out flyers. So that's what we would do. We would get in one box cart and I'd just begin to preach, listen up and start. Now, don't do that today. Amen. If you go, you get in the train, say, listen up. Everybody's, ah, it's a terrorist attack. <clears throat> but we're talking 1988, very different from today. And I stood there, listen up. I want to tell you about a man who loves you. And his name is Jesus. Okay? And man, I'm preaching. And I'm preaching. And then all of a sudden, there was one day I sat down and I felt like, man, I told these people about Jesus. <laughs> sat down, all proudful, and a guy next to me says to me, he says, do you really know who you serve? I, I, and I said, absolutely. Then he starts sharing some cultic belief. And I said, all right, I'm ready now. And then he, then, he, then he says, well, in the book of Zephaniah, chapter one, it gets a, a verse. Now, mind you, I'm only saved eight months. I never even heard of the book of Zephaniah. <laughs> and I remember I said, Zephaniah? Ain't no book of Zephaniah in the Bible. Oh, man, you a false prophet, man. So he grabs my Bible from my hand, opens it up to Zephaniah, points to the scripture, and hands it right back to me. And then he looks at me and he says, you, my friend, do not know your word. Now, I remember that day, I got even more angry. And I went back studying scripture starting the Bible, memorizing left and right, and knowing this and knowing that, and now I'm like, I want somebody to ask me, because I'm ready to slap somebody down with this Bible. I got, in other words, I got to prove myself. I wanted a fight. I wanted an argument. Until that's when one day the Lord cornered me and said, I didn't call you to contend against people. I called you to contend for people. For people. Folks, the reason why we need to start learning how to explain and defend the gospel, the reason why we need to learn a systematic way of studying scripture is because we live in a world today where we have so many different types of belief that are counterculture. They go against the word. We have so much that we're, we're no longer just dealing with false doctrine. What you and I are dealing is with ideology, theories, and different theological understanding when it affects gender, life, systems, and just all of God's creation in general. So if you want to study the word so that you can go out there and flex your muscles, then guess what? We're like the apostle Paul said. Some of you say you are from Apollos. Some of you say you are from, 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 from uh, Paul. And some of you say you are from Jesus. Do you know that he even condemned the ones that say 
that they're of Jesus? You know why he condemned them for that? Because that's not what God's about. God is not this separate team. God is not a team. He is the creator. God is not a God. He is the God. He's not a political representative taking a stance. He is the stance. He is the message. He is the life. So stop your posting on Facebook as a way to combat. I'll show him. Take that scripture. You know what I mean? You see something about, you know, gender this, gender The Bible says you're going to hell, bam. You know what I mean? Like, take that. I'll write it. What you got to say about that? That ain't apologetics. That's you starting a war. But apologetics is love, acceptance, so that through the love of Christ and your knowledge of the word, you will win them over to the honor and glory of God. Come on, give God the praise as Pastor Danny comes on up here. Amen. Come on, give him praise. Hallelujah.